episode 27. I am so excited about it. Michael Magnuson and Jeff Cassidy from Good Better here. And they're going to catch us up on the latest, what's going on, do some highlights from the Bedden Conference if you didn't see it. And uh, welcome to the show, guys. Great to be here. Thank you very much. Fantastic to be here. Thanks for having us back. No, my my absolute pleasure. I, uh, I Whenever I see you, Mike, I think about this young guy stopping by the Sutherland showroom after hours at market. And you told me your idea. And I said, it's a great idea. Somebody really needs to do it. Oh man. I hope, I hope that our industry's up for it. <laughs> and obviously they are. So, so Mike, catch us up. Um, Give us some of the highlights. Uh, well, here, let's let's do this first. Let's talk about, and very quickly, for somebody that's never seen you before, and for somebody that's never seen any of your presentations at the Ben Conference, the dirty little secret um, in our industry about the Mattress Review Mafia. Well, the, the dirty little secret is that the Mattress Review sites are the biggest competitor that you probably don't know about or weren't focused on. And they are out there and they're competing with you with some really unfair advantages. So that's what I would say is the, the dirty little secret. They're, um, they are out there basically selling the products that make them the most money. And the difference, the unfair advantage that they have is that they make this claim to be unbiased. And that gives them not only unfair advantages just on the face of it, but it gives them real economic advantages over you as well. Just as an example, like with, with advertising, you know, an advertisement that says that somebody is an unbiased source gets higher, higher click rates. And that means they don't have to pay as much per click in order to show that ad. And likewise, they have higher conversion rates because obviously people are more likely to believe something that comes from someone who says they're unbiased versus someone who is upfront about being a retailer. And so they're competing with you. They're getting it coming and going in terms of these unfair advantages. And they're out there dominating Google search results, making your stores really hard to find. And that's just basically um, making them the most insidious competitor that you have by far. And perhaps one of the biggest, if not the biggest. Yeah, I, I was just, just going to jump in. One other thing that people don't necessarily know is how those sites are getting rolled up by professional investors and private equity and built into portfolios of these sites that still appear to the average consumer that they're independent. Um, But behind the scenes, it would be one company running several of those sites. So Mm -hmm. just an additional aspect that gives them an advantage and is misleading to the consumer. It's very misleading because Mrs. Jones actually believes that's another customer just like her. And all it is, is a, a, a possibly an employee, but for sure somebody who's being financially rewarded, uh, to push a certain product. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's what she doesn't understand. And, and that's why it's, it's so bad, but. It gets worse when, because of the way it works, you have this situation where the Google results are getting slanted and they're getting Google juice. Mm -hmm. And the average 
good, hardworking retailer who's trying to do it by the book is literally, pardon my French, getting screwed because they're getting those results. And then to make it even worse, Jeff, I love your point. Now you've got private equity jumping in. So, you know, <laughs> it was evil to begin with. It's, yeah. even, it's even more robustly evil now. Yeah, they're pouring cash into these deceptive tactics to just accelerate their impact. So yeah, it's, it's growing. And, and as Jeff pointed out, they're consolidating, which gives them more market power. And Mrs. Jones, in your example, thinks she's getting three or four different opinions or you know, unbiased reviews. Really, she's getting zero unbiased reviews. And in fact, she's not even getting uh, four independent biased reviews. <laughs> She's yeah. getting four reviews from the same company. Yeah, bought and paid for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is not necess- This is also not unique to the mattress category. Obviously, we collectively here on this podcast, on this uh, stream, care about the mattress category. But those portfolios and those private equity investors—they're doing this across categories. So it's a, it ties into a broader theme of what's happening for consumers when shopping for anything online. So it's kind of it's a it's a major macro level issue. Obviously, the most important to us is the mattress category, and not just the most important though. I I mean, from everything, I'm astutely it just as a kind of an intellectually curious person. I'm always out talking to people in other industries about what's going on in their industry, and I've never found an industry in all in any of those conversations that is advanced in the deception as our industry. So we can feel proud that we are on the bleeding edge <laughs> of, of consumer deception in the mattress review space. So I'm only laughing because honor. I really want to cry. <laughs> uh, it, 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 There's no crying uh, in podcasts. It's... Uh, Oh, no, no. Uh, I can cry. It's my podcast, dude. You can cry. cry. Yes, I can cry. That's true. (laughs) So thank you for for doing that and doing that so quickly. And Jeff, I was dying to ask that question, but I didn't want to ask the question because I didn't want to pull us off of mattresses. But in case somebody's out there in another industry, this is going to infect your industry. It's going to happen. It just got us first. <laughs> it's coming your way. So start thinking about when we get into how to fight this, get your, get your customers lined up to, to understand how they can fight back. But I want to go back to the Bedden Conference and just in case there's somebody out there that missed it, you know, I started to watch it and I got hammered uh, so bad with so much work that I couldn't watch it. And you sent me that link and that was wonderful. Thank you so much for sending me that link, Mike. My pleasure. Your talk was, it, it just literally, to me, to me, it just literally started where the previous conference ended and then went a little bit further. Question for Mike by Steve. Hi, Steve. Would you recommend retailers partner with these B2B <laughs> bed in a box companies so they can capitalize on the on the biased reviews? I, I, I wouldn't recommend it for that reason. Uh, but I do think that there are benefits to having those brands on your floor. 
and and it stems more broadly from some things that they do well in the brand building and traffic interest generating department. So I wouldn't say for that reason, but I would say it's worth considering for other reasons. Awesome. And, and by the way, we also, I mean, not to plug our podcast on this podcast, but we did do a recent episode. If you, uh, Steve, you probably heard it. But uh, for those who, who haven't, we did an episode recently with Larry Miller of Sit and Sleep where we specifically asked him his experience because he was one of the earlier retailers to adopt, you know, to bring bed in the box brands onto his floor. And he carries now at least three, maybe more on his floor. And so we specifically asked him about his experience with those brands and uh, wanted to give retailers, other retailers, an idea of what to expect when you bring those retailers on your floor. And he gave some great insights on that as well. So definitely check that out. Um, It's called Mike It Up. The podcast that we do is called Mike It Up in the most recent episodes with Larry Miller. Absolutely. You can plug your podcast in any time. I am an avid uh, listener. And that interview that you did with Larry Miller was off the hook. You know, when I get the, the, the one thing that was the most striking to me was how balanced he was in his approach. He didn't, he never, he never looked at any question from just his eyes. He's looking at it from the consumer's eyes. He's looking at it from the manufacturer's eyes. The perspective that this, it's not an accident that this guy's been highly successful for 43 years. That's the kind of perspective that we all need to have to be super successful. But the one thing that that kept coming back again and again is this guy is so concerned about fundamental fairness, something that's sorely lacking in this world and in business, not to go off on a, a tangent, but Larry Miller is a, a breath of fresh air and he's a blessing. And, uh, you know, I know that I made the comment and I know that you said it was all Larry, but you guys did it a great job of asking really good questions that kind of kept peeling back the onion with Larry. Um, And we got a really good insight into how his mind works. And to me, at the end of the day, that is one of the most fascinating things. And just one quick thing. And Steve's uh, Mattress Industry Networking Group is one of the largest, if not the largest in the industry. It's a Facebook group that you guys should all belong to. If you're in the mattress industry, you should be in that group. There's a a wonderful uh, retailers in there, wonderful manufacturers in there, all kinds of people from the industry. It's a great place to be. I had presented some data last year coming... At the time the betting conference in 2020 took place, it was August of 2020. So we were five months or four or five months into the pandemic. And we had noticed some data on our side that I had shared at that time that was really stark in terms of illustrating the impact that the pandemic had had already on the consumer journey. And specifically, it was, you know, in the process of using GoodBed, people answer a question. Uh, it's not, like a survey per se, it's just something they're telling us in the context of using our site to shop for a mattress, which is, do you need to try the mattress in a store before you buy it? And we asked, we asked them that just to help guide their, their search. And we've been asking that since the third quarter of 2015. So really like a year and change after Casper first came on the scene. 
And at that time, it was under 20% when we first started asking that question who said that they, that they didn't need to try it in a store. And I know for a fact it would have been single digits had I started asking that question you know, pre-Casper because um, we did ask similar questions in a less uh, consistent manner before then. And anyways, it basically rose steadily for several years uh, from the time we started asking it. And ultimately, though, it plateaued. In about 2018, it just sort of leveled off at 43%. And it started to look like we had just reached sort of a natural, a natural equilibrium, if you will, where there was just a certain number of people who kind of just fundamentally, irrespective of their age or whatever, they just, for this type of product, want to try it before they buy it. And when we saw that that plateau, really, we, we can stratify the same data by age group and see that really like every age group sort of plateaued. So obviously the younger age groups plateaued at a higher number than the older age groups. They were more willing to try without or to, to buy without trying than the older age groups. But they all sort of plateaued and the average across all age groups was 43%. Well, when COVID hit, every age group spiked immediately. And literally that that aggregate 43%, which had been static for 2 years, shoots up to 71% in April of 2020. Now, it quickly settles down relatively quickly so that by June, it's down about 53%. Uh, but but it's, that's 10 points higher than it had been. And so uh, that's kind of the level it, had, it was in August of 2020 when I presented this data for the first time. And I updated it this May, uh, last month, I guess, to, to share how it had changed. And basically, the answer is it stepped down a smidge since then, but it's still around 51%. So we're still 8 points higher than we were. And that's more than a year later. And that's on a percentage basis. When you think about like that 43% essentially represented the addressable market for online mattress companies. And when you think about it in the context of, of that, an 8-point increase there is essentially a 20% Increase in their addressable market, so it's a massive. It's it's still a massive and very sudden step function change on a metric that had otherwise equilibrated and and really wasn't increasing anymore. So that's uh, that's kind of where that that's gonna. I think my my sense is at this point that we may see that number tick down a little bit more, but overall, there's going to be a lasting step function impact of COVID in this regard. And we see it in other areas of our lives too. Like we're all using video conferencing more now than we, than we did before. And I don't think that's entirely going away. I mean, we may not do Zoom happy hours all that much anymore, but we're still going to use a lot more video conferencing than we did pre-pandemic. And there's, there's, this is, there's certain behavioral changes that I think will be lasting. At CrossFit... I uh, couldn't wait for us to not have to wear masks. And, and once we got to our stations, we could take our masks off. And so I find myself still wiping down all the equipment because I've done it for almost a year now. Yeah. And I don't have to wipe down the equipment, but it's like part of my ritual now. I wipe down the equipment. And and I don't have to. It's not required by the gym. It's not required by Ohio Department of Health. Nothing. Yeah. 
me. And so, uh, you know, what you said really resonates with me. And I, and, you know, listen, I understand Zoom fatigue and all that. And, and listen, at some point, I'm pretty sure I had it as well. But for us to believe that video conferencing is going to go back to where it was before, it's not. It's, it, it's actually not. Um, retailers save money by not having to send their uh, buyers all over the place. Um, manufacturers save money by uh, doing video conferencing in the first few steps of the sales process. At some point in time, we need to get together, but it's here to stay. Yeah. It, it's not. That's why in my podcast last week, when Victor said, not, all I heard is not changed. And I just said, bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Victor went on to school me and, uh, I was a little premature in my bullshit, but, <laughs> uh, comment and, you know, things have changed and, and they will change. But to Victor's point and the point that he was trying to make before I so rudely interrupted it is selling never changes. You know, do you have value? Do you increase someone's profits? Do you increase their sales? If you have value and you increase their profits, you increase their sales, that's at the heart of selling. And mm -hmm. at, at the heart of selling is people communicating. And so th that last number, not moving, but two points in the better part of a year um, is, is significant. If it moves at all, I'll be surprised, but it's not going to move much. Yeah, I think there's, I mean, the other thing that sort of underscores that is that when we do look at it stratified by age group, the younger groups have settled back down less than the older age groups. So the mo most of the settling, like if there's been a couple points of settling, it's mostly been older age groups returning to their normal uh, pre pandemic or closer to their pre pandemic levels than the younger age groups. And obviously, the younger age groups are the future of this market. Yeah. Right. They're the, they're the buyers who are going to be in this market for 30, 40 more years. That's uh, very interesting. Listen, I need to read something really quick out of my book, Sell a Million. And those of you at home who already have the book, you can probably pretty well predict what the one I'm going to read with having these two fine gentlemen on. It's chapter 91, page 131. Earn Online reviews, not pay for spammy ones, not trick somebody. You may not like technology or embrace the internet, but burying your head in the sand isn't going to make it go away. Either you earn and market five-star online reviews or your store will be the victim of online reviews. This was prophetic. Mm -hmm. No doubt. <laughs> your store deserves the five-star online reviews that it earns to be seen by the public. You don't get five-star online reviews. You earn them. Please reread that. If your customers are not giving you five-star online reviews, you need to step back and start asking a lot of questions. The very first is, are you asking for them? How are you asking for them? When are you asking them? Are you helping your customers who are challenged by technology to give the five-star review? that your store has worked so hard for. Nothing that is good in life is easy. 
Does your sales process earn and ask for five-star reviews? Your marketing must feature and model five-star reviews. You must define for your customer the behaviors that ideal customers engage in. Those are given testimonials, referrals, and five-star online reviews, as well as repeat purchases. These behaviors should be seen by your prospect before they purchase. They should be used to, used to and modeled in your sales process in all your follow-up marketing after the sale and in your monthly newsletters. And the interesting thing is that a customer that has seen five-star online reviews as part of your marketing, as part of your outreach program, if they've seen them, they're more likely to give you them because that's why they came in. When you're, um, these behaviors should be seen by your prospect before they purchase. They should be used and modeled in all your sales process. I read, I'm reading this twice. In all your follow-up marketing after the sale and in your monthly newsletters. That's another subject that we'll talk about some other time. When your machine is running well, it produces an army of testimonials and five-star online reviews that go to war every day, helping you win the battle for the customer's business. Is it a lot of work setting this up? Yes. Is it worth it? Yes. So I can't think of anything that would be more near and dear to your heart than that. No, absolutely. You hit on (laughs) so much. There's like so much there. Uh, It's a great little passage. I mean, the only thing I would add to it would be um, we typically tell people that you it's a specific point you have to not only have reviews in like one place that you decide is important you have to have great reviews everywhere that your prospects are going yes and so that includes not just google not just your own website let's say um but it might include facebook it certainly includes goodbed um so there's there's lots of places where your customers are going you need to your online reputation more broadly needs to be great Anywhere that your prospects are going. And so you can't just be like, oh, yeah, we've got reviews. They're here. So, one of my buddies, who Dan Jordan, who wrote this book, you guys see that? Yeah. Sales Proverbs. He just asked a great question. Dan asked the question How do you make it easier for customers to uh, leave reviews? Uh, well, yeah, typically, the way we get this question is, how do we get reviews? And typically, the answer I say is, Number one, you have to ask, as you said. And number two, you have to make it easy. So in terms of how to make it easy, I think the key is just minimizing friction, right? Like there's a certain amount of friction. People don't get out of bed in the morning typically and say, oh, today's the day I want to review that mattress store where I bought at uh, a month ago. (laughs) Like they just... (laughs) Or if they do, it's probably not going to be a good review. Put it that way. It's uh, those, Those people who do get out of bed and say that, are not the happy customers that you really want to hear from. So you got to make sure that you remove all the friction you possibly can from that process. So, you know, for example, if you were to hand them a physical card and say like, Hey, just type in this, you know, web URL, go home to your computer, type in this URL, and then go there and write a review. You know, there's a lot of friction there, right? Like they got to like take this card with them. They got to like bring it home. They got to remember to do it. They got to type it in. They got there's a lot of work there, right? Like versus if you email them 
uh, a request and it's got a link right there they can just click right so that's that's easy um, podium and other services like podium uh, simply review us for example uh, they offer solutions that may maybe even make it easier than that they uh, they text you a, a link so it's like right there on your phone moments after you leave the store so those are those are some ways that you can kind of remove friction as it relates to uh, store collecting store reviews. Hey, Brandon, I see you, uh, and thank you for your suggestion. He uh, puts a QR code on a business card. They scan the QR code; it takes them right to the review site. Yeah, that review. certainly is a lot better than having the consumer type in uh, the the URL for sure. When we're talking about removing friction, on walking through your different customers, and you know, this is where we get into that whole discussion, Mike, about avatars. And, and you know, there's probably five to six with an infinite number of variables that can change. But we really need to think about what do we do for for a customer that wants to give us a review but they really just they're they're not up for it. So, if you're in a mattress store and it's slow and you've completed your sale and this customer is saying you guys are awesome. You mm-hmm. you you guys are awesome. You need to get really good at kind of putting your head down and and saying, "Well, wow, thank you very much." You're not just saying that, are you? Oh no! Now they come up and they with energy, right? No, no. I'm. Would you would you say that? Oh, absolutely. Then you suggest that they can get on your computer and leave the review right now. If it's a slow day, you could do that. So that's an extreme. Example, most customers, average age, very tech savvy can do that. But some of your older customers not, might need their handheld. Here's, yeah. my, here's my point. My point is this. You need to fight for every legitimate review. You've earned them. You deserve it. And it's real. It's authentic. And there's nothing better in this world for your business than a good five-star online review. Mm-hmm. You have to fight for it. It's not easy. Nothing that's good in this life is easy. So fight for it. Do what you have to. The QR code on, on the uh, business card is a, is a great idea. There's lots of great ideas. Mike, I love your idea of, of you getting a good email and sending them the email. And all they got to do is basically push a, a link and fill in a couple things really easy. And there's the, your five-star online review. Yeah. One, th- one thing I would just add is um, I think getting emails is like a must. Obviously, you, you have to try and collect emails from, from every customer. But what we're seeing in terms of best practice is retailers who use tools like Podium or simply review us that are text-based and they use that to try and generate the store review while the consumer is still in the store. Basically, right after they've, they've agreed to make the purchase, 
and the RSA is about to write up the sale. Yeah. And they text, they say, May, do you mind what, while I'm writing this up, if I just text you a quick link and you can uh, write a quick store review? And one way to think about that is everybody understands the importance of once the customer leaves this, once a shopper leaves your store, the probability of them buying goes way down, right? So people, salespeople just in, intuitively understand that. The same is true with writing a store review. Once that person leaves the store, just as Mike was saying, there's other, their life happens. You know, they have to remember where their car keys are and they have to remember what's next on their to-do list. And, and it's easy for life to get in the way. Yeah. So I think it's your yield is much higher if you ask while they're still in the store. I also think that there's a psychology involved when you do that because you, you're texting the link. The person is there in the store. They've just decided, by the way, that they trust you enough to make the purchase from you, right? So the trust level is high at that point. But also, psychologically, they have to leave a review for a human being who they're sitting there kind of looking at. Um, and they're more likely, I think, to leave a positive review um, while they're while they're there in person together with the the, the salesperson who just made the sale. So I, I think the the great thing is that there are tools now like Podium and Simply Review Us um, that make it easy to do this via text, and it gives you the opportunity to do that uh, store that store review requests uh, in person right in the store. So to sum up what Jeff just said, do it now. Right now, while they're still in the store, that is it's great advice, Jeff. I'm I'm glad that you you brought that up. No, it's not it's not my advice. It's just from what we see, the people who are getting lots of store reviews. Like that's what that's what they're doing. So it's it's their advice. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, that's what we do. We share good ideas that we hear from other people, right? We ask them to scan the QR code while in the store. I agree with Jeff 100%. Even, we even put the <laughs> QR code on a sign on the way out the door. And uh, Jeff will send you the 20 bucks later, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> only if Thank I get you. a QR code. I only do it if I get a QR code. <laughs> Don't let that go to your head, Jeff. Come on. <laughs> I got to celebrate celebrate my one success. On. Yes, <laughs> yes. We got to celebrate all successes. Um, so one of the things that really interested me, uh, interest me in, in the talk that you did at the Bedden Conference, Mike, towards the end of it, you uh, talked about, and I want you to do it again, just in case somebody didn't see it, because this is really important for our dealers to understand. The, the privacy laws have changed. And can, can you kind of walk through that and you know how it could impact uh, their media selection and uh, how their message gets out? Yeah, well, there's there's a, the changes are kind of ongoing. There's like a theme here that's been happening for the past several years, where we're just the the trends are moving in favor of more privacy and limitations on put, placing limitations on companies' abilities to track you. And the most recent example of this is the changes that Apple made in this most recent version of their operating system, where they've essentially made it that the apps that previously just had the ability to silently track your behavior 
um, through not only just what you were doing on their app, but even just what you do when you leave their app on your browser, on your phone, for example. Uh, those uh, defaults have changed so that now those same apps have to ask your permission to be able to do that. And what we've been seeing is that, first of all, when, when the apps started to ask permission, the number of people who say, sure, go ahead and track my behavior across apps, <laughs> not surprisingly, is pretty low. Not a lot of people are you know, psyched about that idea when they're actually presented with it. And so they were seeing uh, you know, opt-in rates of single digits. And so then they, started, they got panicked and they stopped asking because it, 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 they only get one chance to ask. And so now they're starting to ask. They, they, they tried to like A-B test and I've gotten ones from Facebook, from Twitter, and, and I'll, every time I'm like, no, I don't want you to track me. This is why I only see mattress ads everywhere, <laughs> everywhere I go is <laughs> because, uh, because of this. And so uh, obviously, most people don't want to be tracked. They would rather have privacy. And so this is going to massively impact the ability of a lot of uh, media platforms to to offer targeted advertising to you know to advertisers you know the reason why ma- my facebook is able to say hey here's an audience of active mattress shoppers is because they've been tracking this stuff in the background without people knowing it that's the that's the sort of secret there and when they because it's it's not like people go on facebook and say oh in their profile like oh you know i'm an active mattress shopper no they say like I'm single. I live in Denver. I like mountain biking, things like that. But they don't say like I'm an active mattress shopper. Those are that's an ephemeral status that they have, and and they don't share that. So there's no way for Facebook to know that other than to secretly track your behavior. So basically, this is going to radically uh, affect the effectiveness of Facebook marketing, not only in terms of being able to offer a, a really good audience to you, but also to the extent that you were previously able to actually concretely measure conversions. You know, that was another thing Facebook could offer is they could say they basically track it all the way through the shopping cart and they see the conversion happen and they go, "Hey, see that one that we sent you? Uh you, they ended up buying." Well, now they can't do that either. So, you're operating with less information and a smaller or less uh valuable audience. Um so, just something to be to be bearing in mind. Uh and at the same time, of course, it doesn't diminish the value of reaching active shoppers. That is still, in our view, should be... Well, we always think about advertising as a, as a hierarchy of priority. Like Number one is your online reputation. You got to make sure that's great everywhere your prospects are going because that's the thing that if, if your ad gets their attention, well, the first thing they're going to do is go online and they're going to see a bad reputation and you will, you'll lose them anyway. So you got to make sure the online reputation is great. But then number two... You got to hit those active mattress shoppers. That's like your your next biggest priority, and that comes way before your last priority, which is kind of general advertising, television, newspaper, radio, whatever, whatever you're doing. Uh, which is not to say that you shouldn't do any of that last thing, but it's it's you got to view that as that's like the bonus stuff. That's like you got money left over. Great, invest it. That's like there's a longer term. Uh, you're building something longer term there, but you got to hit 
the bit, you got to get the base hits right in front of you, which is those active magic shoppers. And that's going to get a little harder now. You know, this, this point that you're making and that you made so eloquently, I want to break it apart just a little bit. So if you own a store, I want you to envision your advertising dollars. Okay. All of your advertising dollars in a bucket. If your online reputation isn't stellar, there's a hole in your bucket. That's right. And you're throwing your money away. You're, you're throwing your money away. So you got to fix that first before you ever do anything else. And the one little comment that I would like to make, uh, Mike, and, and you made it, I just want to drive it home even a little bit further. Whatever it is that you do, whatever your mix is, and we've seen, you know, I, I had Trent Randberger on here a couple of weeks ago, and Trent did a was great it Trent trip. or Little Trent? Uh, no, Trent, Little <laughs> Trent uh, was not available. <laughs> okay, it was Trent. He okay. was in the background, so I had Big Trent, <laughs> and uh, you know, when Trent started his business, it, it was radio, newspaper, and TV, right? And that's it. And there was no social media. And one of the things that we've seen with all retailers is a lot of money being put into to social media and in particular, Facebook. And so I, the point that Mike is making here is, is important. Keep your eye on your mix and you need to be on Facebook, but if it's not going to be as effective as it used to be, you might want to put some dollars, not all dollars, in other things uh, to help subsidize it. One of the things you know that I would do if if I was a retailer, I would put almost all my money into this online reputation, and that's a lot of things. And I want you to break that apart just a little bit for us, Mike. And then I want you to talk about how we fight the mattress review mafia. Absolutely. Well, first, I want to just make one distinction. Well, it's not a distinction in anything you said, but I think it's just adding a distinction to the way people think about media, perhaps, which is I would, people tend to think about it like, oh, I did radio, TV, I did. Uh, digital. Maybe they think, oh, I did some stuff with Google, some stuff with Facebook. Like they break it down that way. I would think about it in terms of this. Um, when you get to online reputation, that's one. Number two, the active mattress shoppers. Number three, general population type stuff, untargeted. Uh, and think of it that way because a lot of times you think, oh, well, I did a bunch of Facebook stuff. Well, not all Facebook stuff is targeted at active mattress shoppers. Some of that's general, right? Like not all stuff you do with Google. If you just do a display ad campaign, that might just be like a general display ad campaign. That's different. Like that's that goes in the third bucket. Like if you're doing search targeted at mattress keywords, okay, that's the second bucket. Like right? those are active shoppers. If you're buying specific audiences on Facebook that are targeted at active shoppers who are people who are in market right now. That's in the second bucket. But you got to think about it in terms of those buckets. It doesn't really matter where... I mean, it matters, but it's, it's, it's a less important distinction whether you're doing that on Facebook, Google, Goodbed. Where, like, it, what matters more is where are you putting the money in terms of which buckets. 
And those buck, that's, that, that's the important thing. And people sometimes conflate. They, they say like, oh, digital. And it's almost like the assumption is that if you're doing digital advertising, it's the second bucket. But the reality is a lot of digital advertising is not. It's not any more targeted than your TV ad. Um, and that's, a, that's an important thing to think about. Um, so sorry, what was the next... What was your <laughs> question that you were going to point me to? How do... How- do our store owners fight the mattress review mafia? Yeah. Well, um, you know, this kind of ties in. There's a, there's a lot of things we could do, obviously, as an industry. I think education, I consider that to be like defense, right? Like you got to do some defense here, which is educating your consumers on the truth. I mean, these guys do have uh, everything that they do is, and all the success they've had is predicated on this one fundamental, and, and it turns out pretty flimsy thing, which is that people think they're trustworthy. <laughs> and I say flimsy because the reality is if people knew the truth about these websites, I don't think most people would think that they are trustworthy. Exactly. I think very few people would think they're trustworthy. So in that sense, it's all kind of a house of cards with these sites. And the way to play defense is to just educate your consumers with the truth about these sites. Um, let them know about the ties between online brands and these sites. Let them know about um, all the deceptive tactics that they're using. Let them know about the fact that these best mattress lists are pay to play. And they're just basically a ranking of like who bid the highest um, to be ranked the best mattress for whatever by whoever. And so let them, you got to let your consumers know about that. And you got to hit them with that message like all over the place because they're getting hit with the opposite message from these review sites. All over the place. So you got to make that message sort of like an equal and opposite force you got to create to counterbalance what otherwise is is poisoning their minds with stuff that's essentially going to um, drive them to buy from these online uh, retailers. Uh, but, but more specifically, that's, that's going to design to take them away from ever visiting a physical store. And so that's, that's important. Defense is important. But defense isn't enough. Um, offense, you need to go on offense as well. And the way to go on offense is you've got to have what consumers are looking for. right? And what they're looking for fundamentally when they're searching, and this is why these websites keep popping up everywhere, is they're looking for third-party validation. right? They're fundamentally... They're searching for reviews, comparisons, best this or that. They're looking for third-party validation. And these review sites claim to be that third-party validation. And so that's, that's, that's what fuels their success. The original, the sort of the OG of third-party validation is consumer reviews. And so we've talked a lot about store reviews today. But the other really critical part of review, the reviews picture for a retailer is product reviews. And fundamentally, the industry has had a problem up until now, which is they can't get... Retailers can't get a critical mass of product reviews for the products they carry. Yep. Just mathematically, it doesn't work. Yep. You know, if, you, if you've got one store, maybe you sell 1,000 mattresses a year. Maybe you send out... Even if you emailed every single one of them and you got 3% of them to say, write a review, what do you end up with at the end of the year? 30 reviews. 
right? You probably carry 50 products. That's less than one review per product. So you do that for two years. Now you got almost two reviews <laughs> per product. <laughs> and then guess what? Your manufacturers change. change every product. And now you start over at zero. And so, uh, so there you go. So there's a, there's a fundamental problem. That's if you have one store. But the, the math is, is still really pretty much terrible, even if you've got 50 stores. Even if you've got 50 stores, you're probably talking about a year to reach critical mass of reviews for your products. And Mike, again, I got to interrupt you. Yeah. Steve, what do you what do you think, Steve? You think this is your podcast, brother? You got to get your <laughs> own podcast. <laughs> Steve who runs uh, Mattress Industry Network, which is a fabulous group. Mike, great point. Most advertising companies still use CPM for online ads which is completely irrelevant in online marketing if your goal is in market shoppers. That's Steve's mm-hmm. and he wanted me to share. Yeah, he's, he's making a great point, building on that distinction that I was trying to get people to focus on. Like, It's not just about being digital. It's about where, where it's, which of those buckets it falls into. Getting, criti- getting to critical mass is very difficult to achieve. That's yeah. where we were. It's very it's 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 basically uh, been impossible, in, except for maybe the largest retailers. Like if you've got if you're if you've you've got two thousand stores, that's a different story. But the vast majority of this industry doesn't have enough stores, enough volume of sales to get to critical mass quickly enough. And critical mass is really important, right? Because we all know, as shoppers ourselves, you know, if you see a product with one review, you know. You, a like a lot of people are just going to be like I don't know I don't feel confident enough to buy a product with no without more feedback on it and and B if you see one review you, you're also likely to think wow like I guess nobody likes this product I guess nobody buys it it's like the least popular product that right so you draw these conclusions as a shopper we all know it because we do it with other things we we shop for and you there there's a certain level of reviews and it's no, there's no science that I know of that says exactly what this is. But we can all kind of just anecdotally go, all right, well, if the mattress has, say, like 30 reviews, okay, like that's enough where I'm like, okay, people have bought this. There's some history here with this product. I can look at some of those reviews and get a good sense of like what people's feedback has been on it. Like I'm feeling confident, right? And if it's got 100 reviews, then I'm like, or more. Then I'm like, oh wow, I've got no doubt, right? Like, I'll, I'll still read some, maybe whatever, get a sense of what they're saying. But like, it removes any doubt, right? Like, but if it's like twelve, maybe I'm like, okay, like that's better. But I still have some questions. I'm still, and and maybe some people are going to be more swayed by this than others. But there's going to be a group of people who are like, man, that's still not enough for me to feel confident, you know. And so you're going to basically. As you have fewer fewer reviews, it basically makes the product harder to sell. That's the bottom line. You get more reviews, it's easier to sell. There's no doubt. Yeah, there's no so, doubt. So the question is, like, how does the industry get beyond this problem where where no one no retailers can get to that critical mass? And this is where we've been behind the scenes working real closely with retailers in trying to figure this out for them and figure out how we can bring to bear all that we have figured out as it relates to reviews and all this 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 huge platform that we've created over 10 years 
And how can we bring all that to bear for the benefit of retailers? And the result of that is something that I announced at the very end of that betting conference talk called the Good Bed Review Network. And so we basically... That was the first time I announced it. But we've been working on this behind the scenes since the fall. And essentially, the idea is that this is a solution that helps retailers get to critical mass of product reviews and to do it much more quickly. And if you think about the, the math that I just went through with, with regards to one store, well, imagine um, you've got 500 stores in a network, right? Like, and the, every review that comes in goes into that network, right? So that it's a it's being pulled together with all the reviews being collected across the network for that same product, and then that same that review, along with all those other reviews, goes to the benefit of every retailer that that. So you have 500 store locations across who knows how many different retailers, and maybe they carry 300 products between them. And and then we help those stores get reviews. And P.S. We can help you get a higher yield than you can get on your own. And that's partly because of the fact that we've optimized our our platform to make it easier to the point we were talking about earlier, and like in certain ways of removing friction. But it's also in large part because we're an independent platform, and people are just more open to and inclined to share a review when they're asked to write it on an independent platform than on the retailer's website. So we benefit from, from that respect. If you've got 500 stores in this network, uh, then basically, we can help you get... Any participating store or retailer can get to critical mass within 3 months, let's say. That's like how that math works. And then as we get this to scale, and we get like even more retailers participating, we get this number down to 1 month or less. So a new product hits the market. It, within a month, every retailer who carries that product can be at critical mass of reviews on that product. And we do that through basically uh, making this platform of ours a clearinghouse that benefits all retailers who participate. Mm. That's unbelievable. So we have a store owner who for some reason has never heard of you before, doesn't know who good bet is. And they said, Holy, I, I want in on this. What do they need to do? How do they reach out to you? Uh, emails. <laughs> they should just get yeah, Jeff at goodbed.com, Mike at goodbed.com. Real easy. But yeah, they should reach out to us. Basically, what we're doing right now is putting together a beta program. And then the cool thing about the beta program is it's going to be free. So we're wanting to basically take the next few months to uh, put together this beta program, start collecting reviews, build like build up the initial base of reviews real, to really kickstart the network. Um, and we're going to be in exchange for you know just working with us, working through that with us. We're offering that to uh, a select group of beta retailers for free, and so. That's the best thing to do is reach out to us. We're kind of we're trying to figure out like the right mix of retailers to include in that beta program. Um, but but that's that's the idea. And then within once we sort of figure figure that out, once we sort of uh, complete the beta program and get it to the point where we feel like it's ready for mass release, then we'll open it up to everybody. <laughs> Whoever said this is. 
It just says Facebook user. So I don't know who it is. <laughs> you ain't in the mattress business if you don't know about good bed. Yes, <laughs> I agree. I agree a thousand percent that you ain't in the mattress business if you don't know about good bed. Whoever Thanks, you mom. are. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I see it says it's not your mom. <laughs> so listen, if you own a store and you just heard what Mike said, you can join a beta program for free and test this out. Hey, Jeff Janakovo, it was Jeff Janakovo, so it wasn't your mom. <laughs> and and listen, when you have a guy like Jeff, who's one of the leaders in our industry, who's uh, makes a statement like that, maybe you already knew that you arrived, but now you really know <laughs> that you've arrived. When you, uh, Brandon Brewer, that's a great idea, guys. There you go. Thank you. You're getting feedback already. Liking the feedback well, and appreciate the shout out. Th thank you to both Jeff, Jeff and, and Brandon. Brandon. Yeah, we're, yeah. We're, we're super excited. And honestly, I don't like to, I'm not one for hyperbole, but I, I fundamentally think this is a game changer for retailers. This it is a game this changer. This product review problem is a serious problem. And, and, it, and it's one that has been uh, holding retailers back relative to uh, these online competitors, not only the review sites that we talked about who claim to provide third-party validation on their own, but also just relative to the online retailers who are fundamentally advantaged in getting reviews and so forth. So the, uh, this, I think, is a fundamental game-changer for the brick-and-mortar side of this industry. And we are, we're just psyched. We couldn't be more psyched to be able to help retailers with this problem. So um, we're, 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 this is one of the most fired up we've ever been really to, to help with this. Yeah, Should it's pretty exciting because there just has not been a solution for the traditional industry here. It just has not existed. And when you think about the consumer, they go online like Mike said, the online brands are advantaged, right? Like they automatically get the email. They have an email post-sale process to request reviews. They have thousands of great reviews. So the consumer is seeing that for online brands. And then they go to look at the local options. They look at both store reviews and then product reviews. So we've had a challenge with store reviews. Luckily, solutions are helping to solve that problem. Um, but then they get to store reviews and it's the issue that Mike talked about. It's product, uh, product reviews. Sorry, sorry. sorry yeah. Yep. It's one or none or a couple and they're three stars on average of those couple. So it's just been a, a losing proposition on the review front for the traditional side of the industry. And we were thrilled to be able to bring a solution to that problem. So I, I don't want to put you guys on the spot, but how soon are you going to start executing on the beta program? Uh, well, we're starting to think about who's going to be in that beta program now. So that's that's all coming together as we speak. And we're at the same time working on sort of the uh, finishing touches, I would say, on the first phase of development for this, which is on, on the review generation tools that we'll be offering to retailers. Um, and then we'll be in parallel with that. We'll be starting to work on the display tools to help those reviews get displayed. We've already got an API so that those reviews can be displayed uh, right now. But we're going to be working on additional tools that will provide other ways to display these reviews on your website for those people, for those retailers who are participating. 
And one thing you said, Mike, in the your betting conference talk that I really liked how you put it, which is this is an industry that um, really is based on relationships, right? And and people really appreciate and value the relationships, and there's good relationships and positive energy uh, between people. And this solution leverages that, right? Like that that shared review aspect is all retailers collaborating together to solve this problem that's a challenge to all of them. And so I like the way that you put that about it's a solution that lets us leverage the fact that this industry is built on relationships and it helps us use those to, to our advantage. No doubt. Guys, I wish I had another hour because I could go on and on and on. Any last words, Mike, you want to wrap up with this? This is so exciting. Uh, if you're a store owner out there and, and you're wondering, you know, what could you do to, to help your business? Try to get in on this beta program. You may not get picked, but the second it comes live, if you don't get picked for the beta program, jump on this because this is a game changer. It's absolutely a game changer. Uh, the, only other the, closing word. words, the only other closing word I would say is reach out to us anyways, because there's other things too that we can do with you guys. We got actually uh, a whole suite of other products that we've been developing for specifically for brick and mortar retailers to help them get discovered by shoppers on our site. And that's something completely separate and apart from this review network, which is really about your website and helping your website get discovered and helping conversion from your website to your store and from your store to, to ultimate sales, from store visits to sales. This, uh, all these other tools are really about getting discovered by the active shoppers who are on GoodBed. And we've really, those are also very cool and we'll be coming to market with those. We've already started taking signups for those and, and we started rolling out the very beginnings of those features and they'll be coming out a lot more in the next month. So. Get, get, get in touch with us about that as well. I think Jeff Janakovo said, thanks for everything you do in the industry. Um, and likewise, Brandon, likewise to you, Jeff. Yeah. Brandon jumped in there too. And I can't see his comment anymore. I agree to Facebook user. <laughs> Brandon. <laughs> so Thank listen, you, Brandon. this is uh this is exciting. The guys are completely engaged. They're excited about this. And I think you guys are onto something that is so good for our industry. Thank you guys for coming up. Yes, go see Mike It Up. I do not miss an episode. Go to Good Bed. Guys, get behind what Mike and Jeff are doing. What they are doing is so aligned with what we need to do as an industry. There is not another company out there who is more aligned with the little and the medium size retailers to help you grow your business and who are really truly deeply concerned about what's going on. So with that, I say goodbye and thank you for a great episode, guys. I appreciate you. Thank, thank you so Pete. much, Pete. Appreciate and thanks to everybody who was listening and commenting. That was great. Yeah, thanks, yeah, this, guys. Was, this was fun. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.